Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Bantering the Blue Shirts. My name is Tom Archinier. I'm your host. And this week, we have a special guest. Uh, you should know her work from Blue Shirt Banner, from The Athletic, Hockey Graphs, uh, her gifts on Twitter, her knitting, among other things. Uh, I'm happy to be joined by Shana Goldman. How's it going, Shana? It's going good. Glad to be back. It's been a little bit, but uh, very glad to have you on this week. Uh, Mike had uh, some stuff going on this weekend. He is back in town, just wants to sort of, you know, take it easy. And uh, we're always glad to have Shana. And there's a lot to talk about this week uh, as we record this before the Rangers take on the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. Um, I think the, the first place to start is... Igor Shosturkin's going to be starting in goal, and after the Rangers win over the Los Angeles Kings, head coach David Quinn, you know, basically saying not worried about having three goalies getting into a rhythm, uh, you know, keeping people fresh, and he's just going to sort of ride who's playing well, and it would suggest that Igor is going to get a bit of a run. Um, I'm curious, Shana, did you think? We would see this at this point. Um, just your 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 thoughts on, on the situation going forward. Um, I think I think I've gotten the vibe from the coaches throughout the year that the intention is to win as much as possible. Which, like, that is your very standard sports, you know, attitude. What team, coach, player, management doesn't want to win? And I don't think it's the coach's job to do things besides you know, training a team and trying to get them to win. So it's not completely surprising to me that he feels we're just going to go with one goaltender who's good and roll forward because that's the best chance we have to win. But on the other hand, and this isn't a slight at Chesterkin's play because I think he's been great, it's not like any goaltender they have is going to be bad. You know, you could have a rotation and just rotate one, two, three, go. And if one gets a shutout, one's that outstanding, you give them another start, you know, just as like a reward too, and then keep the cycle going. I don't think that would have been a problem exactly or stop them from winning because their problem is that they have too many good goalies. But to already decide, okay, we're going with one, it's a little bit soon. Uh, It could be a motivational tactic too. It could be saying we're going with the best goaltender. So if you're in between the pipes, you need to be absolutely fantastic and play at your highest level and train and have a good attitude and do all that kind of stuff. I just think maybe I would have expected this post deadline, like maybe if a netminder was moved and then let's say it was Lundqvist and Shostarkin and they said, you know, whoever plays better is earning it, go for it. And, you know, to an extent we can't even look at it and go, oh, this is bad for development because obviously it's great to have Shostak in play. He's the goaltender of the future. So it's best to see what he can do, and this will better inform their decision in the offseason if, you know, that's when they plan on moving a goaltender because there's a chance that's the best time for them to do it. So it's interesting to do it so soon, especially when it's a much busier month than the last month that they really could create a good rotation and a cycle. But I guess we'll see how it goes. You know, they can say one thing one day and maybe in two days we'll hear something totally different. It's an interesting that you bring that up. And I wrote about this for Banner, um, which went live uh, today. Um, so I guess my question for you is in the same vein of they may say one thing and do another. Do you think 
at all this has any relation to the fact that, uh, and we'll get into more trade talk as the show goes on, that the Maple Leafs went out and acquired Jack Campbell. They were a team that made sense for a lot of reasons for Alexander Gorgiev with not many teams really in the market for a goalie and it looking more as a move that if it does come to fruition would be in the offseason. Do you think that plays a role that it's not that they really have to quote unquote uh, showcase uh, Gorgiev? It's possible. I mean, I don't think Quinn was the kind of coach and I don't think many coaches are going to be like this, that they're going to showcase player unless they legitimately have strict directives to do so. But I feel like that, you know, might be a little bit of a reach, in my opinion, that it's going to be like, hey, every time Gurgiev starts, it's to showcase him. Keep Strom with Panarin. We're showcasing him. Like, I just don't think that's how these coaches or most coaches would operate. They're going to go, we think he's got the goaltender that's going to help us when we're playing him. So, maybe... This could also be a way of the Rangers putting the message out there. They're fine with their three goaltenders. They're just going to roll with them, and whatever happens, happens, and so be it. It's not like we're in this situation and it sucks, even though I think everyone knows they're in this situation and it's not ideal. And I think the other part of it is that they don't, they don't have as many options right now, so if they could get a better look at Chesterkin now. And in theory, you're going to keep these three goaltenders in the organization. They could get a good look at Chesterkin now. They could send him back later this spring to Hartford to backstop the Wolfpack in the playoffs, which is probably the best situation for him. You know, let him play a bunch at the NHL level and then let him finish out the year and go for the playoffs and play in a higher pressure situation that really counts for something. And then, you know, go back to the the duo that they had before that and reassess at the draft or right after the season, because there's definitely teams who are going to be looking for a goaltender then. A lot of, a lot of things you, you just said, I, I agree with. Um, I, for one, think that him being in Hartford for the playoffs is something that's beneficial. And I guess within the next week, we'll sort of see how things go. Um, as we said, we're recording this uh, the day of the game, and Shesterkin's going to be a net. But um, one thing you said, it provides a perfect transition to the next thing I wanted to talk about. You said that the Rangers are could be sending a message that they're fine with their situation of having three goalies and sort of kicking uh, the can down the road into the offseason. They can't exactly do that. Well, I guess they could do that, but it wouldn't be the right thing to do with Chris Kreider. Um, he's right now, it's it's looking like he is going to be the face of the, the trade deadline. There's not many big names out there. Um I guess I guess we before we get in more in depth on Kreider, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins went out and traded for Jason Zucker, and I know a lot of people on Twitter after the news broke, they were wondering how is this going to impact the Rangers? Will it impact the Rangers? What does it mean for a Chris Kreider return? I'm of the mind that it really doesn't impact the Rangers because. Zucker has term on his contract. He's not a rental. But I can also see the perspective of other teams out there thinking, 
the Pittsburgh Penguins are loading up. Um, I know that they've had some injuries this year, but they're still trying to add as much talent as they can. And maybe we are we don't like our roster as much as as we did before, and we need to maybe be in the market for someone like Chris Kreider. I'd be interested to see your your thoughts if if this is something that really matters. Does it matter? Maybe somewhere in between. I think every Ranger fan going, well, how does this affect the Rangers has to stop sounding like Toronto fans because it's not, (laughs) everything's not centered around them. And I hate that, you know, how does this affect the Leafs? It's like, please, please don't become that before the trade deadline. But um, in all seriousness, I think every move is going to affect the market. If it's a player with terms, if it's a player without it, if it's any position, a winger's moved, it makes ripples for the rest. And... Kreider, everyone knows, is, you know, the the piece on the market, the biggest name player, the biggest rental. And um, he's also one of the more affordable options in a, a salary cap sense for right now and could become one of the least affordable options in a couple months. And uh, this trade's interesting. I think it's going to be more influential on what happens to a player like Tyler Toffoli or another winger with term than a rental but I also think it just took a buyer out of the market because the Penguins, you know, may have been looking at Kreider as well. And obviously, that's one team out that can lower the price and lower the bids for it. But like you mentioned, it could be what sparks everyone else to load up. You know, the Penguins obviously needed something. They lost Jake Gensel, and that's a huge loss. And they got a great winger who's not just going to help them now, but for the next few years on a, a very reasonable contract. And he's a very solid winger. Like I think most teams would be happy to have him. And um, now other teams are going to have to compete with that. So obviously a winger like Kreider can take a team up a notch, but I do wonder how much other teams need to load up versus how much Pittsburgh felt they needed to load up because they are so in win now mode and they, could push themselves into a rebuild or a retool in a couple of years. Obviously not at that point right now, but um, they need this right now. I think more than a team like Tampa could be good for the next couple of years. You know, Pittsburgh, maybe they feel their window is a little bit shorter that they have to go for it. And then on the other hand, you look at it and go, well, a team like Tampa doesn't need a player like Chris Kreider. And do they still need a player like Chris Kreider now that Pittsburgh does? And the answer might be no, but let's shore up our depth, our depth and go for the center position like they might need down the middle of the fourth line. So it really, really depends on the teams who would need a winger. And I think the team maybe that needs a winger more than anyone is going to be the Islanders. And I do not see Lou Lamorello trading with the Islanders, uh, sorry, with the Rangers after never attempting that with the Devils. So I'm curious to see where they go with it. Maybe they're the team that jumps at Toffoli. And then that opens up another team that was looking at him that then goes for Kreider. And, you know, it just continues to go through, you know, what one team does takes one player off the market. It inspires another team to go for it, but I don't know. That's my thoughts. It's funny that a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins could be saying to themselves like, Oh, fuck it. Maybe we actually need to rebuild having one, you know, back to back cups in, in recent years. And, they may be able to just do that while having two of the most impactful players in the league and Malkin and Crosby. And I don't remember who tweeted it out, but it was, it was something to the effect of like every year the Penguins have an injury and they just call up like some random player 
and they end up like scoring 50 points in 30 games or, or some nonsense like that. Um, like this year, it's been Brian Rust, although he's not some random player. He's been on the team for, for a bit now, and he's second in, in scoring with 45 points in, in 40 games. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the Zucker move. It, it helps Pittsburgh, and I think that one of their biggest strengths has just been that they've sort of been playing playoff hockey in the sense of not stylistically, but next man up, you know, we're not going to make any complaints. We're just going to bring someone in. Um, So the Zucker deal helps them now. It'll help them for the next few years as, as they try and turn over their roster. And as we record this, the Penguins are second in the Metro uh, behind the caps and they are three points ahead of the Islanders. And it's interesting how this playoff situation is looking. And I've been tweeting about it for a bit that the Rangers are pretty much not going to make the playoffs, but they still think they have a shot. And I don't blame them because at this point last year, they were around the same point total. I think they have, um, four more points this year than they did last year, but it's it's a literal gauntlet in front of them just to try and get into the wild card because you have this combination of the Islanders in third, you have Toronto in third in their respective divisions, and you have teams like Columbus, Philadelphia, Carolina, Florida, who one day they're in third place in their division, others they're in wild card one, wild card two, and they're literally just tag teaming in and out. Um, which it makes it interesting what approach that the Rangers are going to take. Not in, are they going to deal with some of their expiring free agents, but sort of the sense of timing, how long do they want to wait? And I guess we can get into Chris Kreider and, and how they should proceed. I'm going to let you go first because I feel like I've, talked about this for a bit with with Mike but I'm interested in what your perspective is um and if it's something that you have made your mind up with you haven't made your mind up with or something literally that just changes uh as the games go on I think Chris Kreider is the most challenging decision the Rangers are going to have this year and obviously when he you're moving and considering moving an impact player it's going to be but um, it really isn't just a black and white decision. And going into this season, I was on the fence because, you know, they obviously just extended Panarin and, I mean, signed Panarin and it's a significant contract and they gave Jacob Truba a significant contract and you have all of these contracts going on the books that are going to carry through, you know, the next few, the next, you know, seven, eight years. It's significant. You don't want it that in five years you look at your cap and there's so much money tied up in so few players and then you're going to have the younger players coming along and obviously second contracts are going up and if you go with bridge deals then it's third contracts going up and it can just create a cluster that they don't want but I do wonder if they can make it work because it all depends in my opinion on when they view themselves contending if they feel that they're not going to contend for two three years They have to trade Chris Kreider, period, the end. That's all there is to it. Because there's no sense in signing a player to help them right now who isn't going to help them right now. But 
based on the moves that they made after getting the second overall pick last year, to take the rebuild a step further. And they were all calculated moves that we look at and understand why they did. It's not like a team like Buffalo who went out and signed free agents like Kyle Okposo and Matt Molson that thought, this can take our rebuild a step further because these are the talents that we're missing. They went for top talent. They signed top talent. And they went with talent that's young enough, for the most part, that can be a part of the team now and in the future, and that really applies to Fox and Truba, but even Panarin, when you think about, you know, the wear and tear he doesn't have because he only played in the NHL for four seasons before this. So they made the moves to contend sooner rather than later. That makes me think maybe they're aiming for next year or the year after that more so. Next year maybe is the year that they're a playoff contender, but not a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, and the year... After that's when they view themselves as being a team to beat. If that's the case, they might be more inclined to sign Kreider because if you move him, there is not a clear replacement. There isn't someone on this roster that has that combination of skills, and everyone talks about it. He's skilled. He can score. He's a frequent shooter. He can pass the puck. He's speedy. He's strong. He has size, and he puts it all together and can be such a force. And now that force isn't the guy. He doesn't have to be the guy anymore because they have Panarin, and it takes some of the pressure off of him, and it also gives them scoring depth because you still need a second line. You can look around the league and see second-line talent. You know, if Kenny Malkin's a second-line center, on any team he could be a first-line center, but on a Stanley Cup-contending Penguin team, he's their second-line center because they have Crosby ahead of him. So the Rangers don't have that one-two punch down the middle yet, and maybe they'll get there by the time they contend. They don't have that. Maybe they feel that they need it on the wing because they don't have it at center. Because Heedle isn't that second tier, that, you know, not second tier, but top tier second line center that a contending team might want to have. And it's not to say he can't get there, that, you know, that's definitely not it. But if they view themselves as contending next year, they have to find those pieces to work around with what they already have. And I don't see them going out and getting a second line center. You know, they might be set with their top six depth in that sense. So if they view themselves as contenders next year, they have to sign Kreider. But they still have to make the price work, and they can't be just viewing it as a win now only. And everyone keeps going to the seven-year, $7 million contract because it's so similar to Anders Lee, who plays a similar style. But um, he provides more than, you know, he provides less than Lee as the net front presence and with his tips and deflections. Lee's a better player in that sense, but he brings so much more because he's a play driver generally, and, you know, he's better defensively than Lee until Trotz came in and worked with his game. So... In that sense, it definitely helps uh, make it that they could sign him. And I wrote about it this summer with The Athletic, and I had uh, Dom Lucician's chart that projected what kind of player he'll be at the end of a seven-year deal, and it's still a top-six player. So maybe it could work out when you think about his fitness and this and that, that it's not a slam dunk to trade him. But if they don't trade him, other players have to move because they don't have the cap space. Now you... You give your opinion because I talked way too much. No, I, I liked everything you said, and I'm sure you're going to jump in at some point because I'm going to make a reference that I, I think makes sense, but I'll, that'll be in a little bit. So the way I view the Rangers is that it's all about moving forward a little further this year than you were the year before. And I understand that there's a lot of things up in the air, whether it's... Um, expansion draft in the horizon, the NHL CBA, whether it gets extended, whether it it um, 
you have a, a another potential lost season or a shortened season. But the Rangers' goal, I think, for next year should be, at the bare minimum, they can be a wild card team who has a fighting shot at winning a round of playoff hockey. And as we've seen with this sport, with this league, all you really have to do, make the playoffs, and anything can happen. Um, we saw it firsthand last year, and this may not be the greatest example, but Tampa Bay Lightning, Columbus Blue Jackets. The Lightning were one of the most impressive teams uh, in in recent history. It was one of the most dominant regular seasons since the Red Wings of the 1990s, and they uh, they they didn't get it done. They they were a big disappointment, and they did a lot of soul searching in the summer. Now they're looking to be on the right path again this year. But the Rangers, ideally, and it's interesting the way you frame it that how how soon are they to be a contender and in, and here, here's where the, the reference is going to come in, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Rangers are sort of like The Bachelor. They only have so many roses. You knew. You knew how out. to get me. They have only so many roses that they can hand out as they look at this roster, and they've already given out a few of them. They've given one to Artemi Panarin. They've given one to Mika Zibanejad. Uh, in a way, they've given one to Jacob Truba, and in this, the concept being they're laying the foundation of who who they want to keep going forward, and eventually, you know, get to where they want to be. But the thing is, is Kreider going to be that number two behind Panarin on the left side? Because it's if it's not him, then they're going to have to get someone else. Where you have. Zabanajet is your number one center. You think that Hedl will be your number two center. And then the right side is a little trickier because you have Pavel Buchnevich, who very um he's a very he's a is a player that draws a lot of emotions from this fan base. Yeah, uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um and everyone knows my feelings about Pavel Buchnevich and, and what I feel he's capable of. Um then behind him, when we're talking not from a depth chart perspective this year, but looking forward, you have to think that Capo Caco is going to be that number one right winger. Um, and then it's Kraftsoff. And then outside of that, there aren't many standout forwards of note. And if you're the Rangers, I think as you're building this team, you want to solidify your top six, uh, at least at forward. Um because once you do that, you can say, okay, we're looking at the contenders all around the league. I think I'm pretty good with Panarin and Zibanejad and Buchnevich and Kako and Hedl and Kreider. If that's your top six, one that's a blend of good players right now, some developing players, I think by and large, you, you would like that. Then right. the... You, you wanted to say something? No, no, I'm agreeing with you. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, and then the challenge becomes, well, not so much a challenge because um, you can find bottom six players in, in multitudes of ways. Is that someone where, okay, you have Brendan Lemieux. Is he going to be your long-term bottom six player in the sense that Jesper Faust is right now, who is an expiring player? Um, 
the goaltending situation we've already touched on. What happens with with that is still to be decided. If it's going to be a, a co-share between Shosturkin and Gorgiev, or if Hank hangs around or he leaves, but that that's a topic for another day. Um, and then the the defense too, like that's something that you could spend hours talking about because you've invested in Truba. You have Adam Fox, who looks like he's going to be a number one defenseman for many years to come. Um, you have Tony Jandrell, who's having a tremendous season. He's due for a pay raise. Um, and then the left side is kind of a mess outside of Brady Shea. Um, but then again, you look at it in the system, is is that something that could be made better when Igor Rykov comes up or when Keandre Miller signs his entry-level deal or when Nails Lundqvist comes over and maybe there's something in Joey Keane. But the fact remains, this is sort of the time where the Rangers need to identify that. This summer is where you're sort of setting these building blocks in place because as we know, the following summer, you have a lot of players coming off the books, whether it's Stahl or Smith or Lundqvist, and then you're going to have some money to spend. And if the goal is next year, your wildcard team, then the year after that, it's it's making those pushes going forward. And it's really starting to sort of fine tune your roster where you see how people play and then come trade deadline, you're in the market to be adding people. I mean, that's my thought on the situation. Um, but I'd be interested if you agree in what some of what I said or yeah. at least it, my Bachelor reference made so, sense. So, hold on. I got to pick at the Bachelor reference. So, I agree with you. There's only so many roses. However, and there's always a however. It's No, I'm sorry. With the Bachelor, it's with that being said. If you have, like, a point to cut in, literally everyone always goes, with that being said, and changes it. If the Bachelor finds numerous girls and is so stuck at a certain point in the competition, he can't go to the host and tell Chris Harrison, you know, he needs an extra rose. And, uh, you know, he'll be, like, giving him out, and you think he has the last one, and then Chris will be like, wait, just kidding. Pop a rose down, and it's like, oh, wait, there's more. So they can make it happen. If they can make it happen on The Bachelor, the Rangers can make it happen, too. But, yeah, it's exactly what you were saying with the top six. And I think the thing with Kraftsoff is, Everyone has high hopes for him seeing his skill set and knowing what he can do, but it's a lot to put the expectations on him. You could see it with Anderson, Leah Sanderson. You could see it with Capo Caco. You could see it with Jacob Truba and every right-handed defenseman that walks into New York. Expectations are always incredibly high. And while it's good to have high expectations and, you know, shoot for the ceiling and all of that, you also have to be realistic about it. And on a Stanley Cup contending team, you're th- Second line might not be a Vitaly Kravtsov unless he's that ready and at his ceiling. And until then, which might not be for another, you know, few years, or it's, you know, it's something he'll have to build on, that could be your third line winger. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a knock as long as they're used in the right way. And I know we talk about younger players getting more opportunity and expanded moment uh, minutes. All of that's true. But you also have to understand, like, what is right for the player and, so on and so forth, and what they can handle. So if there isn't credit, it takes away that insurance that they would have. And obviously you don't sign a player to a significant contract to be insurance. But if you see yourself contending, then you do need that because you can't put it on Kravtsov and then, you know, oh, you didn't 
properly supply your winger depth and now that you have a problem. It's just like when the Rangers traded Derek Stepan, they thought maybe they'd have a center option right there. You know, oh, they replenished their center depth, and it turned out they didn't. And it really, really hurt their season. It, it derailed a lot because they were missing such a key part of it. So they don't want it to be a weakness next year as well. And forward depth is already a weakness this year. So it's a super challenging situation. But then, you, like you said, with you know money coming off the books down the line and the cap could eventually go up more significantly. Like There's ways that it could happen. But without that certainty, it's definitely risky. And it's always risky for a player that plays his style, even with his fitness in mind. So it's a tough decision. But it might come down to what else can happen between now and July 1st and what else could be moved or even what else can be moved between now and the trade deadline because they're not going to go into it with Kreider not having more certainty that they can make it work. Yeah. And part of the interesting thing, and it's, it's, I was funny over the, um, the weekend I was watching um, some of the, um, the older, ranger highlights um of their their cup run and you look at that team's makeup and you had so much depth in to the point where you had Broussard, Pouliot, and Zuccarello which were a third line but they were one hell of a, of a third line um in that year um you know Zuccarello had 59 points now obviously the way that Elaine Vigneault rotated ice time and power play plays a role in it, but it, it's just something to think about when you look at this, this this team where if you can set up your your top six and you're able to have good, talented young players, you can have them be on the third line and then with the right center, um, you you can add add some depth there. And to me it's about this continual process. Now, I firmly believe that the Rangers are going to get to a point where they're going to look to add external talent. And I think part of that will depend on what they do with Kreider if they decide to keep him. Um, I think that things could get really interesting with Buchnevich. I think you see how he plays the rest of this year and next year. And then it's a pivot point of whether or not you extend him because you'd have a better sense of what he is at that point. But it may be a situation where next year, Kako is a completely different player and he's made that transition to someone who you can count on in the top six. And maybe he's playing on the top line every night and who knows, maybe Kravtsov shows that he's further along um, than expected. And then it sort of puts it in a situation where you can have three talented players on, on the right side. Um, so before we go into our, our exercise, um, what do you what do you think ultimately happens? If, if you were placing a bet... Um, would it be one that says Chris Kreider stays with the Rangers or Chris Kreider is traded? Um, right now, I almost want to say it feels like Kreider stays with the Rangers, which is pretty crazy to think about, you know, after everyone's opinions going into the year. But it feels like his hot streak um, 
has shown the Rangers exactly what they'd be missing, and I'm not sure that they want to lose that now. And I also feel like, um, sorry, uh, like lost my train of thought. Um, I also feel like the way the attitude has been, it's been a little bit different with Zuccarello. You know, they talked about the trade rumors and knowing that it might happen and blah, 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 blah. It hasn't happened as much with Kreider, which I find interesting. And the fact that they're actually talking contract now, as opposed to how it was done with Hayes and Zuccarello just last year, it makes me think that maybe they actually see something can get done. So that's that's my thought right now. I also think um, the Rangers often shoot for the stars, what they think are the stars with their trades, and maybe uh, the whole Georgiev situation unfolding the way it did has made them rethink a couple things, like maybe they can't get what they want, so it would be more valuable to have these players. Could be totally wrong, but maybe they're thinking that, you know, they want something for Kreider that they're not going to be able to acquire because, you know, he's a rental, so maybe it is in their best interest, and maybe it's like, it seems like the stars are aligning for him to stay a ranger. But I'm, I'm really not positive, and I could sound like a total ass, and in like a week look back and be like, what the fuck was I thinking? But at this very moment in time, I kind of feel like they're trying to keep them, and I feel like they're trying to keep them more than they did with any of their pending uh, unrestricted free agents through the rebuilding process. What do you think? I have the feeling, and maybe it's just because the Rangers seem to be a team that can't help themselves when an opportunity presents itself uh, in the sense that Kreider right now is the bell of the ball uh, of the trade deadline. You have situations where teams are undergoing injuries, whether it's Connor McDavid's going to be out for a bit for the Oilers. Nazem Kadri is going to be a bit out for Colorado. Seth Jones is going to be out a bit for Columbus and I just wonder if there's going to be a situation that presents itself where there's a team that's really, really desperate and they ultimately decide that we can get more than we thought and it's assets that help this team in the long haul more so than keeping Chris Kreider. Um, I, I just get this sense that is... They've tried to be in this sense of we're rebuilding, we're going to take things slow, and obviously Panarin presented itself, and it's a move that you make 10 out of 10 because you don't always get that opportunity. And it's just so weird how all these injuries are coming about at this time of year, and I I just wonder, so many things are breaking their way, whether it's Taylor Hall getting traded as early as he did, Jason Zucker getting traded when he did, that this is sort of lining up for a situation where they can can control the market, they can really put uh, competing offers against each other, where in so many years before, there were other people holding things up, whether it was Eric Carlson one year, whether it was Mark Stone another, that they remember what that was like, and now that they have the opportunity to take advantage, I just don't see how they can pass it up. But 
like you said, I could always come back and listen to this and be like, oh, wow, look at this fucking <laughs> genius. What are, what, yeah, what, are, what were we thinking? Yeah. So um, before we get into our little exercise, uh, we will take a quick break for some ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And just like that, we are back from our ad break. Um, as Shane and I were preparing, you know, thinking of what we wanted to do for this show, she thought it would be a good idea of let's sort of look at players who are on the Rangers, who are, you know, whether they are free agents or they've been linked in trade rumors and things of that nature and sort of play matchmaker. We have players. We're going to try and uh, think of places that they could end up that somewhat make sense and then the other person would be like, well, either, hey, oh, wow, this is a really good idea, or go, yeah, uh, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> Look, we have to play matchmaker somehow. It was either we play matchmaker this way, or we talk about The Bachelor for the rest of the podcast, and, like, I think only, like, 10% of you would be on board. Maybe, like, 20% of you, like, secretly would be on board with that. But, like, let us know. I mean, hey, if that's what you want next time, we'll come back, we'll talk Bachelor the whole time. Tom and Mike will watch it with me, and it'll be great. Right, that Right? You're going to watch with me next week if everyone says so? If you, if people submit in, you can use hashtag bannering points bachelor and give your thoughts. Uh, and uh, we could make this a reoccurring thing. I'll, you know, never, never say never. Always open to trying something once. So um, I figured I would let you go first um, since it was your idea. Um, and then uh, we'll take it from there. Um, who do you want to start with? So, um, I mean, I have, I have one, well, I call it like a mega deal that I had put together before the, um, the Jack Campbell trade. I have one involving Kreider, one involving Strom, one involving Gorgiev and, uh, one for D'Angelo, but, um, we, we might have some overlap, but I, I, it really doesn't matter what player you can just pick whatever one you want first. Um, uh, yeah, we should definitely end on the mega deal. So let's go. I'll go first. I am not going to give you like a specific trade because I'm not going to pretend that like I <laughs> know what a fair return would be, you know, at this point, but I can connect a team to a player. And for that, I would say with the Nazem Kadri injury, I could see the Colorado Avalanche looking at Ryan Strom. They have... Um, I think $6.7 million in cap space, so they could afford Strom. If they're looking to add more than Strom, then, you know, the Rangers, I'm sure, would be willing to retain salary, and the fact that he's a restricted free agent bodes well for them. You know, they really don't have many UFAs next year, and uh, 
they're a team that needed depth. They addressed it at the deadline uh, at in the off season, and I think that they could still use a slight boost to solidify their team. Um, they managed through a ton of injuries this year, so they definitely get credit for that. But I think it can make sense. They obviously have prospects that the Rangers were interested in since they did almost make a trade with them this summer. And maybe a winger would be, you know, outside of the Kaj injury, maybe they felt that a winger would be more their direction. But if you can have a player who can play center or wing, you know, it's a good thing to have. And the other part is he's shown how well he can play with an elite player like Panarin. And, you know, not everyone can keep up. I think obviously a player like Panarin would elevate players, but not everyone can necessarily keep up with it consistently. And, you know, he's managed much of the season. So, um, manages doesn't sound fair to him because he's done more than manage, but you know, uh, he's a player that could make sense there because if they, you know, want to split up their top line or mix some things up, he's a good center option to have. So, you know, plays all situations, fair cap hit, not old, would fit in. That's my pick right now. So I had the same one actually. I took it a step further, and I'll sort of explain the reasoning behind it. So I had Ryan Strom to the Colorado Avalanche for Shane Bowers and a third-round pick, which was acquired from the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Tyson Berry trade. So a couple of things here. Ryan Strom's value, it's... It's hard to pinpoint because he is a restricted free agent and he is he's basically in the spot that Kevin Hayes was last year where he can get a one-year deal that takes him to unrestricted free agency. He's having a career year playing with Artemi Panarin and he's an older player who it really doesn't make sense to give too much money in term. But the Colorado Avalanche are a team that they have a good shot in the Western Conference. And I think that even if Kadri hadn't been injured, he would have been someone who made sense for them um, from, from a depth perspective. Because you, if you look at their, their forward group, you have obviously you have the big guns in McKinnon and, and Rantanen. Um, and you have Landeskog and Burakovsky. Um, but if you look at sort of their bottom six, it's not the greatest. Um, so if you could add Stroman to the mix, you're sort of you're beefing up your, your depth a little bit. Um, and then you'd have a top nine of Burakovsky, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Kadri, Donskoy, Calvert, Strom, uh, and then Tyson Jost. Um, I, I think that would be interesting. The reason I pick um, Shane Bowers, he's a prospect. Uh, he's not, not the sexiest prospect, um, but he's he's someone that David Quinn is familiar with. Um, you know, he was at Boston University. Um, this year he's playing with the Colorado Eagles. He has 20 points in 34 games. He will turn 21 in July, so... He's, you know, he he's around good age, and I think someone who could could be a good fit. Um, and then you have the third round pick, and I think based on all factors, that's kind of like a fair trade. And people might be saying, well, it's selling low on Strom, but 
in a way it's also you're getting an asset um, via draft pick. You're getting you know an, an okay-ish prospect, um, and more importantly, you are avoiding a situation where you could pay someone too much money. Yep, you- that that makes sense. I like that one. I think um, the fact that Strom had struggled might you know alert some teams. You know, there were a couple seasons there that weren't too great. Um, but he, you know, he performed last year. He has built on it this year. He's, you know, a reasonable price. He's a reasonable age, and there's there's definitely reasons why the Rangers might want to keep him. And there's a complete and total possibility they can make it happen. You look at a contract like a Josh Bailey deal that's super team friendly. Like it could happen, but I'm not sure that they rely on that, especially if there haven't been those discussions at this point. Um, so. Yeah, it definitely makes sense that they could move him, um, and it would make sense for a team like Colorado to go for him. I know Kreider was linked there before, but that, you know, it's obviously going to come at a a much more expensive price, and now they would be getting him for half a season instead of a whole year that it could have been that. It just seems like maybe they're going for a tier below that for the postseason. Um, So I definitely like that deal, and I think the Shane Bowers connection makes sense too. Yeah, the thing with Strom is that he he's in a bit of a rut right now. Um, he started the season going seven games without a goal. Then he had a stretch where he went 15 games without a goal. He hasn't scored a goal in his last 12 games. Um, so um, this is not completely on Ryan Strom. This is not me picking on Ryan Strom. But it's sort of looking at him as someone who... Yes, he's having a good year, but he's sort of showing some of what he's been as a player, which is he'll have some spurts of talent, and obviously there's a reason why he went fifth overall in 2011, but after that first full season in the league, he really didn't do much, and he's going to be 27 this summer, and then it, it becomes a question of what can you expect long-term? And I just look at Strom and I see the Derek Broussard situation all over again in the sense that he's a player who is peaked. Um, Maybe you could even look at the Michael Grabner situation too, where he had a really good year. Everyone says, move him. He comes back the next year. He does it all again. They finally move him. And since that point, he hasn't done much. Um, But yeah, that was my deal. Um, what was your next deal or for a player? So I still think the Rangers are going to try to do something at the deadline for their goaltending situation. And I think, I think everyone looks at the Sharks and go, they make sense as a fit for Gurgiev. But right now, I don't think anything makes sense for the Sharks as a fit because it's not just goaltending. They're weak in so many ways and I don't think that they have the prospects to trade for a goaltender at the deadline for a high price um they've done it before they acquired James Reimer it worked for them so maybe they feel that's it but it seems more like they're going to be sellers than buyers that I would put them off till the offseason because if they don't if they don't see themselves making the playoffs it doesn't make sense to up your stock in any which way so I would knock them out till the offseason I think Detroit's a team for the offseason too but one that could be an interesting twist, and I'm not sure that they could do it, and I could be completely and totally wrong with this, is 
if the Coyotes legitimately think that they have a shot at the postseason, and they very much, very, I can't even like say the phrase, they might have a shot at the postseason. They should, you know, based on their season to this point, despite the injuries, despite all the challenges that they've had. And goaltending, the level of goaltending isn't the concern for them. It's the durability of their goaltenders. You know, Darcy Kemper was ready to return, and now he's injured. Inti Ranta's injuries are, have been a major problem throughout his tenure there that I wonder if they feel that maybe they'll move on from him and maybe they need something more. And Aiden Hill is an option, but maybe they need one that's, like, more ready for the NHL level. And so I would be curious if they would try to move on from Ranta and add another goaltender. And, you know, a, a guy like Guriev might be the right fit for them in the sense that he could be a tandem starter and split the net, which is something they've been very comfortable with, with Kemper and Ranta. So I would wonder if they'd look into something like that and, you know, trying to just have a healthier net moving forward. Um, I could be totally off on this because why would you mess with two goaltenders who are skilled and good and it works? But it could, and also the cap situation of it is that Gergiev could go for a contract like Ronta was signed to in Arizona. So it adds a younger goaltender for you know the same cost, and it extends the years that they would be paying a goaltender at that cost instead of going up in price in the near future. That is a fascinating idea. And when you started talking, I was saying to myself, I can't really see this, but as I pull up their cap friendly page, they have a lot of contracts that are pretty expensive. Like you wouldn't think it. And then it all, it all quickly adds up. Yeah. And the thing about it is Ronta is under deal for the rest of this year and next. And then he's a free agent. He's 30 years old. And that's just reading that. It's hard to believe because when he was on the Rangers, it was, he's this guy who, um, could be an option for them as as a backup for for Lundqvist for a number of years, and then you have Kemper, who he has a two year extension that starts next year. He's twenty nine years old, and given their injury history, this could be a compelling situation where they've pretty much said that Kemper is going to be the guy, as evidenced by that extension. Do you really want to have a tandem where you're paying one goalie four point five million, another four and a quarter, where if they traded for Gorgiev as a guy who would be in tandem with Kemper and potentially is their long term starter, that would free them up to move Ranta, who would have one year left on his deal. That is interesting. Yeah, I was trying to get creative with it because you look at teams that could have a shot. And I wondered about Minnesota, honestly, because Devin Dubnik's having a pretty bad season. And yeah. Alex Stalock, yeah. Uh, you have him on fantasy, right? I, ha- I have Dubnik. Um, so I have Kemper in fantasy. I had picked up Devin Dubnik briefly. Gotcha. And then I dropped him. I needed... Uh, I really just needed another goaltending win. Um, I lost McDavid today. I lost Seth Jones um, I did pick up Jason Zucker though. So I'm I know you beat me to it. Oh, I you was waiting. beat me to it. I w- I literally the second I thought of it, I picked him up on one team, and I'm like, oh, I was like, I, I knew I have rust on one team, and I had Gensel on two teams, including this one. So the team that I had rust, I'm like, I don't want to just keep 
adding players that will most likely be playing together, I try to stay away from that. So I was like, let me, the teams I've lost again, so like, let me jump at it. I don't think I have a replacement. And uh, that was, that, I was jumping towards that, and I saw you stop me from my, I like to be consistent across all three teams as much as possible, and you stopped me from it. And I was like, God damn it, Tom. That was a good I mean, move. Yeah, I mean, that's a strategy I like to do too because I don't want to really keep track of too many players. It's a lot easier in that regard. But, man, that is a really good call for, for, for Gorgiev because, I mean, the Rangers and Coyotes have history. They've made right. a lot of trades over the years. And if you think about it, I'm looking at their cap situation. Yeah, there's there's some interesting deals on there where I wonder if – and I'm not saying that this is going to be the exact player, but like for example, so like Christian Dvorak, right? He's making 4.45 million for the next six years. Um, like, is that a situation? You know, maybe they want to free up some money there, or I think they have... keep Dvorak, but I wonder well, if they would. I think it'd be more of a prospect from them that they'd go for a prospect or a pick. Well, yeah, I mean, not not um. Not Dvorak specifically, but like looking at their books, they just have a number of people with longer deals where, you know, you have Keller who his extension's going to kick in. So that's going to be more money on, on the books for them. So they're going to have to look at other, other places um, to trim up salary. So yeah, it, this could be an interesting deal. Um, but I, d- I definitely think it would be prospect based, but if there was someone there that like just to, to kick off some money, um, just to sort of offset things, because like Connor Garland's had a really good season, and I would, Im- I would imagine that he could get paid at some point, but or they might want to sell could get high. traded. No, I don't think I don't think he'll actually be traded, but like that would be something I like him. But yeah, like, but- if you think about it. Who, who, like, you could go through every team and go, well, who needs a goaltender right now? You know, a Colorado set, New Jersey could use, but, I mean, yeah, will they go for a young goalie? They have Blackwood, like, it, it might not make sense. Columbus has two good goalies. Ottawa, I mean, it doesn't make sense for them right now. Islanders are set. Kings have a young goaltender that they can look to. Uh, Winnipeg's set. Montreal has Price, obviously. Anaheim has Gibson. Like, you can go down the list, and the teams that might need a goaltender would be Detroit, um, Minnesota, and I don't think Minnesota does anything if they're selling right now. You know, they moved one player. I don't see them yeah. investing now, maybe in the offseason, but they also have um, Kokkinen that maybe they decide to go with him in the near future that they wouldn't invest. The caps are set. Um, the Oilers have an older goaltending tandem. I mean, that'd be an interesting one, but... They have two goaltenders they have signed that I don't think that there's any space unless they can move one. And, I mean, I don't know if they navigate out of that. Um, Calgary has Riddick and Talbot, and they've been fine. And, you know, Riddick can be their goalie of the future. Uh, the Canes, maybe, like in the offseason if they decide to make a change. But they also have a goaltender in at the AHL level that they could turn to as well. Um, so it's San Jose, Detroit, Minnesota. And the wild card could be um, Arizona, and and yeah. Buffalo. Buffalo could probably use some goaltending, but yeah. they wouldn't make the move now either. You've definitely convinced me, and I think this is something that could actually have legs. Now that now that everything's sort of laid out, and I think about it, I'm definitely 
I definitely didn't have them on the radar, but all the extenuating circumstances, injury history, the length of deals of people currently on the team, it's certainly something that that I'm going to think about more. I, I like that you brought it up. Good. There we go. That's a win. Yours. What's your next one? Okay. So, um, I had one with Tony D'Angelo, and this one was more or less because of the Seth Joan injury. Um, and I look at Columbus as a team that they they're fighting to um, they're fighting to make the playoffs. They certainly are a good story um, based on the talent that they lost and. I look at their overall defense. Um, obviously, you have Zach Wierenski, who is, is very good. Um, you have David Savard, who who's a player that's sort of come around, um, and and you you have some other names on there who who have you know have been decent. You know whether it's Marcus Nudevara, um, but the loss of Jones it, it's it's big to overcome, um, and even Ryan Murray is still on on you know, out of the lineup. So I figured Tony D'Angelo is someone who I feel could be a productive player for them. And I feel that John Tortorella is the kind of coach that could keep him in check, give him the tough love when it's needed, um, sort of keep him on track and on focus. And I looked at it as a deal as they're not really going to want to trade much from their existing roster. So I wondered if it would be something like maybe someone like Sonny Milano, maybe if they want to trade like a prospect, even though he's injured right now, um, Alex Texier, um, you know, maybe a draft pick. Um, and again, it's a situation of, yeah, he's going to be due for a payday, but I think that, in the structure of um, Columbus, you sort of look up and down. It's like, are you a better defenseman than Seth Jones? Are you a better defender than Zacharinsky? No. So you're not gonna you're not gonna get paid as much as them. Where they could sort of kick the can down the road, and like, okay, we'll give you this, you know, in arbitration, and then reevaluate. Um, while, granted, he's someone that could be beneficial to the Rangers. He could cost them a lot of money, and they already have committed to Jacob Truba. They have Adam Fox. Nails Lundquist is on the way, and then you also have Joey Keane um, in Hartford, who could be a possibility. So I think this is a, an opportunity where they could sell D'Angelo um, at value, and also it's a situation where they don't lose a trade because they're unable to afford him. So, uh, do you have more on the trade? Sorry. No, I was just going to say, that, I mean, it, that, that was pretty much it. I don't want to poke a hole in this because I like your direction with it, and I could see how it could make sense and how Tortorella would be an interesting coach for him. Um, but I think with Ryan Murray healthy that they can hold off on it, and if they're completely flailing, and it's because of their defensive end, I think at that point they don't look at themselves and go, we're a playoff team this year. And I think they knew that that was, you know, a total possibility. Um, the only thing I see them actually trading for is a forward. 
And I could see them being this like wild card team for Chris Kreider because he's the kind of forward that would fit into their system seamlessly, I would think, and, you know, give them the offensive boost that, that they need. Would it work with him and Tortorella? I don't know. I don't know if it's something that he'd be, they'd want to go for him because maybe they don't think he'd be willing to sign an extension. And obviously that's going to come to play there, but I'm just not sure Columbus goes for a defenseman right now. I think that they try to see how they can stand on their own without him, just like they managed without Wierenski. And obviously there's a disparity right there in talent because Seth Jones is their best defenseman without question. And they're two different, you know, differently styled players. But I think that their only moves come for a forward. It's a fair point. I mean, I obviously, it's something that it was sort of spur of the moment thinking because as I looked throughout the league, there are a lot of teams that could be interested in D'Angelo, but it would be more of um, an off-season move. Um, but yeah, you, you bring up some good points. Um, so do you ha- how many other deals or players do you have? Because... I'll save my mega, now completely unrealistic deal to the end, um, and then we can wrap up this part of the show. Um, I'll go with one more. And it's not an exact, but I do wonder if the Rangers could move Brendan Smith. And obviously it's easier said than done. But I think a team that has some data-driven analysis leading their decisions could look at Smith's game and see things that he did right and maybe what didn't work in the Rangers system and be a better team to identify it and try to buy low. I think that's the whole point a lot for a lot of teams with a data-driven mentality and that kind of insight in their front office. It's how do you go below market value and find something? Where do you find inefficiencies in the market? So I wonder if that's an option. Um, Him at with 25 or 50% salary retention really isn't bad. And they'd be selling super low the Rangers because they're not even playing him on defense when they've had opportunities to do so because of injuries. You know, when they went down to five defensemen in, in a game or two, they didn't move him back to defense, which in my mind is, you know, a questionable decision because he's barely playing forward on, on the fourth line. You know, they play so few minutes a game and now he's out of the lineup. So, I wonder if that would make sense for them, Uh, if it could make sense for another team, because obviously, in most cases, moving him would make sense. The return, more than anything, is opening up cap space, which they need to do. And for the team acquiring him, it could be a team in need of a more defensive defenseman, because that is an area that attracted the Rangers in the first place. And when you look below the surface at, you know, transitional data, you can see that he was better at stopping zone entries and defending the blue line. And that's something that obviously we know is a systematic issue with the Rangers. And uh, the longer he was in New York, the worse it got, you know, after that original stint. So team like Toronto that needs a defenseman with the Morgan Riley injury and the Cody Cece injury. I wonder if they could find value in Smith at a discounted rate because he can play both sides he can kill penalties, and he could be leaned on for minutes, which they might need. So while they have young defensemen in their system who are stepping up, and I mean, if I was a Toronto fan or writing for Toronto, I would be advocating for that all the way. Play the young players, give them the experience, see what they can do before you do anything else. There's a chance they still look for 
um, a more veteran player to shore up their blue line, and everyone has talked about Toronto needing help defensively, maybe this could be it. Maybe he has absolutely no value at all, and I have no idea what I'm talking about, but maybe a team could go for a player like Brendan Smith who could be a utility defender for them at, you know, two-point-something million. Yeah, I agree with that. Finding some value for Smith would make sense, even if it were a trade sort of like it was a couple of years ago. Sam Gagne was traded one place he was literally there for like two seconds and then flipped again where okay team one we trade brendan smith to at 50 percent retention oh wait team team two has just traded brendan smith to toronto with 50 percent retention so it's 25 percent of the money to toronto 25 percent to this team and then the remaining uh share with the with the rangers i could see that um definitely there's a way to get value with Smith, um, because I wouldn't want to buy him out for with one year left on his deal, because I think that would be a waste. Um, it's good that you brought up Toronto because my completely illogical, hypothetical, you know, NHL twenty EA Sports trade involved the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, no one hold me to this for the exactitudes of of salary because. Obviously, I'm only talking about the principles here. There's probably ways that the Rangers could and Leafs could make this work. Like if you're adding on additional bodies who are acquired for the purposes of storing them in the um, the miners and all of that fun stuff. But the trade would have looked something like Chris Kreider at 50%, Tony D'Angelo, Alex Gorgiev, and Leah Sanderson for Michael Nylander, um, wow, Michael, William Nylander, Cody CC, a 2020 second round pick, and Michael Hutchinson. That was never going to happen. A mega trade. Yeah. Because, like, I just, even though that he's playing really well right now, and it's it's so stupid, all the talking heads in Toronto who are like, well, maybe the Leafs should trade Willie Nylander. Like, yeah, maybe please. he's the problem. Please like, do. Please do. Somewhere that'll appreciate him. Yeah. But I, I that was sort of just like a fun um, exercise. Um, so, yeah. That, uh, that wraps it up for... Um, you know, this podcast, I'm going to read our patrons um, and then we will uh, come back with um, Off the Post. Alan Naholik, Aiden Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andrew Chicagoff, Andy White, uh, Anthony McHale, uh Anthony Viola, Arch William, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kala, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Chris O'Connell, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Daniel Duzen. Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, not going to happen. Igor Zavlosky, James Dengels, Jamie Bustle, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predstapielski, John Reppy, Jordan Chasson, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olsen, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Pratik Landolf, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sean with a exclamation point, Stieg Ballback, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, 
Taylor Pyatt. That's a new name. I think they were Alex all last week. The Ninjas, Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you, everyone, for being a patron. Uh, We appreciate your uh, continuous support to the podcast. It truly means a lot. Um, Any words for the listeners before we wrap up this part of the show, Shana? Thanks for listening. (laughs) I don't know. Perfect. I don't know. You put me on the spot right there. Well, that's all I got. this will give you some more time to think of um, when we uh, close out um, the uh, the other show, which we will get to all of your questions. So uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you with the next one. <laughs>